Morning, everyone. Welcome back to Leading Off. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. With me is my producer and twerking instructor, Brendan Tuma. You can find him on Twitter at TooMuchTuma. We've got a lot to get to, as always, on a Monday. But first, let's do some programming notes. We're having just three shows this week. Today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. With the 4th of July and the long weekend, you guys get an extended break to recharge your listening ears for the stretch run. But next week is also the all-star break. So we're going to do our usual show on Monday that week. We'll recap the weekend and probably do a little outlook for the second half. And then we're going to throw in a little mailbag that week. Maybe it'll be Friday so we can include that random Brewers-Astros game on Thursday. We'll see. Whatever we do, we're going to keep you up to date about it. Anyway, there it is. Monday through Wednesday this week, a Monday show next week, and then a mailbag, which I will publicize in advance. And note that in that mailbag, I will have a minor fun thing for some of our more dedicated listeners. Now for today, we're going to get started by recapping the standout performances from this weekend, like Manny Machado and Blake Snell. Then we're going to turn to some injury updates like Cole Hamels hitting the injured list with a strained oblique and the impact on the Cubs rotation. And then we're going to close with some closer news from the weekend. Work for you? Frankly, that doesn't matter. And you wouldn't even be able to answer me until you hear this and it's already going to be recorded. So let's just get going. Let's begin with some hitters today because pitching always does, by necessity, take the bigger piece of the pie. But there would be no pitchers without hitters. Think about it. We saw lots of two homer performances over the weekend, so let's just go ahead and list them all. Renato Nunez went deep twice against the Indians on Saturday. Max Kepler and Nelson Cruz went yard twice against the White Sox on Saturday. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. homered twice on Friday against the Royals, while Justin Smoke did it against the Royals on Sunday. Shohei Otani went deep twice against the A's on Sunday, while Matt Olson homered twice against the Angels on Friday. Michael Chavis hit two three-run homers in London on Saturday, and both Manny Machado and Fran Mill Reyes homered twice against the Cardinals on Saturday. Now you know we need to move fast on these weekend episodes, so let's just give one sentence on each. Renato Nunez, a player who can hit 35 home runs but bat 230 with no speed and mediocre counting stats at a deep position is not particularly relevant. Nelson Cruz, if you need me to tell you that Nelson Cruz is good, then you have not been playing fantasy baseball for the last 10 years. Max Kepler. This is largely legitimate, but note that he sat Sunday with a knee injury he sustained on Saturday, but he's probably going to be fine. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. See any show from the last two weeks to see my feelings on this human being. Justin Smoke. It's nice that he's not injured anymore and he's going to hit some homers, but whatevs. Shohei Otani. I am wrong often but I was really wrong about Otani. He's playing and running far more than I expected, and even hitting lefties well. Fine, that was two sentences. You're not the boss of me. Matt Olson. Oh right, I was also way wrong about Matt Olson and his handmate bone injury, and you will be getting all the power. Michael Chavis. He's adjusting back to the league in a positive way, but everyone listening to this podcast could have homered in London. Fran Mill Reyes. StatCast data is much more favorable than his numbers, and you just gotta ride out all the slumps. Manny Machado. Seems extremely comfortable all of a sudden, and he should be a monster the rest of the way. Alright, how about some non-two-homer standouts from the weekend? DJ LeMahieu went 7-for-12 with 7 RBI and 4 runs scored in that two-game set in London against the Red Sox. 
even with the craziness in that series, those numbers are bonkers. LeMahieu leads the American League in batting average at 345, and he is playing better than he ever did at Coors Field. Leading off for the Yankees, he could legitimately challenge 130 runs scored if he stays healthy. Matt Chapman homered twice over the weekend against the Angels and drove in eight. A Twitter follower asked me a couple of weeks ago whether Chapman was the best buy low in the game. I said no because I didn't think that people were willing to sell Chapman low based on a couple of weak cold stretch. But he and I both agreed that a major hot streak was coming. And here it is. Joey Votto went 6-for-12 with three runs scored and an RBI this weekend against the Cubs. Heading into yesterday's game, Votto had a 313 batting average and a 936 OPS in June. The counting stats still suffer, but I am struggling for batting average in the league and just traded for Votto, so I am buying that he's going to be able to be closer to his June self for the rest of the season. Also, that trade was with my boss, and he definitely won it, and he's listening to this, so well done, boss man. And we talked about Framo Reyes and Manny Machado, but they were hardly the only Padres with good weekends. Eric Hosmer went 9 for 14 this weekend with a homer, 5 RBI, and 3 runs scored, while Fernando Tatis Jr. homered twice, stole a base, and scored 5 times. The StatCast data is not quite as fond of Tatis as his actual numbers are, but do not nitpick here. Both he and Hosmer, who bat at the top of the lineup, may show some regression going forward, but it's not enough for you to shy away from them, so whatever. And just because Brendan said that we should throw in a cold hitter, I will note that Will Myers is basically a reserve at this point. He's got 11 homers and 9 steals, so I would hesitate to drop him, but he shouldn't be anywhere near your starting lineup anytime soon. This weekend's pitching standouts certainly begin with Blake Snell. Snell looked much better than he had recently, striking out 12 Rangers over 6 innings while allowing 2 runs on Sunday. He didn't walk a batter, and he threw first pitch strikes to 17 of the 20 batters he faced. Snell had 20 swinging strikes on his 80 pitches, including 14 on his 52 fastballs. Now, I've kept Snell high in my starting pitching rankings because, as we have talked about, this has always looked to me, from the data, like he is just slumping and having difficulty commanding his secondary stuff. Unless it's because of an injury, that's a correctable issue, and it certainly appears from yesterday's outing like Snell has corrected it. He's going to take on the Yankees next, where you're obviously starting him. Lucas Giolito earned his league-leading 11th win in a rain-shortened start against the Twins on Sunday, throwing five scoreless innings while allowing just one hit and striking out four. Yes, Eddie Rosario is on the injured list, and Max Kepler was out, but still, we spoke about how important it was for Giolito to have a big start against a tough offense like the Twins after his dud against the Red Sox, and he certainly did just that. I personally have no further doubts. Start him always, as you have been doing, including in his next outing against the Cubs. Brendan McKay had a dazzling debut Saturday against the Rangers, pitching six scoreless innings and allowing just a hit and a walk with three strikeouts. McKay actually took a perfect game into the sixth and looked just as good as advertised. He should be owned everywhere by now, but of course, if not, go blow some fab. He'll take on the Yankees this weekend. Anibal Sanchez threw well again against the Tigers on Friday, striking out eight while allowing just one run. Over his last six starts, Sanchez is 4-0 with a 2.29 ERA, an 0-91 whip, and a 32-5 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's going to take on the Marlins next, and he needs to be owned pretty much everywhere. As do Lance Lynn, Madison Bumgarner, and of course, Chris Paddock. Lynn shut down the Rays on Friday, pitching eight scoreless innings while striking out ten. Even Lynn's previous rough start against the White Sox was impressive, 
as he recovered after allowing four first-inning runs to throw seven innings. Lynn's 4 ERA is backed up by a 291 FIP and a 382 XFIP, so this is all legitimate. He's going to take on the Angels next. Madison Bumgarner pitched very well on Sunday against the Diamondbacks, allowing just one run over seven innings while striking out nine. This was Bumgarner's second straight solid start, and he now has 20 strikeouts over his last two outings. He's more than viable so long as he remains in San Francisco, which may not be for much longer. But for now, he's going to take on the Cardinals at home next, so go ahead and start him there. And Chris Paddock allowed one run on two hits and a walk while striking out eight over six innings against the Cardinals on Saturday. Paddock had 18 swinging strikes on 97 pitches and bounced back nicely from his subpar outing against the Pirates in his return from the minor leagues. He'll get a tough test against the Dodgers next, but he's must-start until further notice. Now, there were plenty of pitching performances this weekend, both good and bad, that should not have changed your opinion at all about that player. Jose Quintana pitched six shutout innings against the Reds on Saturday while striking out four. Anthony Desclafani threw six shutout innings against the Cubs while striking out seven on Sunday. Mike Fires allowed one run while striking out four against the Angels on Friday. Garrett Cole struck out 10 over seven innings on Sunday against the Mariners, allowing just one run, and he is on pace for 307 strikeouts. Max Scherzer allowed one run over eight innings against the Tigers on Sunday, striking out 14, and he has allowed six runs in his last eight starts. Zach Greinke threw seven scoreless innings while striking out six against the Giants on Saturday. Shane Bieber struck out 11 over eight scoreless innings against the Orioles on Sunday. Rick Porcello allowed six runs in a third of an inning to the Yankees, and Masahiro Tanaka allowed six runs in two-thirds of an inning to the Red Sox on Saturday. And Hyunjin Ryu allowed seven runs over four-plus innings to the Rockies on Friday. None of these starts should have a significant impact in how you value any of these guys. Quintana, Desclafani, and Fires are all capable of putting up good starts, but none has the chops to matter in standard mixed leagues. Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer are not human, as you knew. And you also knew that Shane Bieber and Zach Greinke are excellent, especially in good matchups. And putting aside that Rick Porcello is not really relevant and Masahiro Tanaka is good, London was just silly. The four starting pitchers in that series allowed 18 earned runs in seven and a third innings pitched. Write it off. And Hyun Jin Ryu was in Colorado. That disaster made his ERA rise to 183 and his whip to 0.9. He'll be okay. Finally, Mike Clevenger was destroyed by the Orioles on Friday, allowing seven earned runs in just one and two-thirds innings. There's nothing to suggest that Clevenger's ankle was still a problem, at least as far as I've seen, and he was still touching 99 miles per hour on the radar gun. Now, it's not as if you would sell Clevenger at rock bottom after this outing anyway, but personally, if I am a Clevenger owner, I am not freaking out just yet. There's nothing I can see in the data from this game that freaks me out, so let's for now assume that this is just rust. You can keep Clevenger on your bench against Kansas City next if you'd like, of course, but long term, for now, deep breaths. Let's turn to the injury news from this weekend because there was plenty. Cole Hamels left to start on Friday against the Reds after one inning with a strained oblique and was pretty immediately placed on the injured list. He's going to have an MRI today to determine the extent of the strain. So let's start with the basics. An oblique injury averages about a month to recover from. Now that obviously varies. Joey Gallo missed about three weeks, Aaron Judge much longer. But for planning purposes, considering how quickly the Cubs placed Hamels on the injured list, owners should probably plan for at least the garden variety month absence. Now the good news, if you want to call it that, 
is that Adbert Alzali gets to stay in the majors. Now, he probably would have anyway, but at least now it's assured. He'll start today against the Pirates. Meanwhile, Kyle Hendricks will be activated on Tuesday to start against the Pirates, and it sounds like Hendricks and not Alzali will get the two-start weeks against both the Pirates and the White Sox. As you know, I often advocate for benching pitchers coming off the injured list. But if you are in a weekly league, Hendricks may be worth it for the two-start week. Marcel Ozuna was placed on the injured list after sustaining multiple fractures to his middle and ring fingers on a pickoff play Friday night against the Padres. There's no timetable here yet other than, quote, beyond the 10 days, which was obvious anyway. For now, Tyler O'Neill, who was recalled from AAA, should see the bulk of playing time in the outfield. Brad Peacock was placed on the injured list with shoulder inflammation, which he's reportedly been battling for a month, which makes sense since he has a 639 ERA over his last five starts. This sounds like he might return after the All-Star break, so there shouldn't be any long-term impact on the Astros' rotation. Steven Piscotty was placed on the injured list after spraining his right knee on Saturday. He is scheduled for an MRI today. I'm not going to lie, this did not look good. I would not be expecting a 10-day thing here, though Bob Melvin expressed some optimism. Chad Pinder should see most of the playing time in right field for now. Marcus Stroman left his start this weekend against the Royals with a cramp in his left pectoral muscle. Sounds like he's going to be fine and make his next start against the Red Sox, which is pretty dicey anyway. Chris Archer was pulled from his start on Friday against the Brewers with left hip discomfort. He's going to be reevaluated today, but given that he is facing the Cubs and, you know, he's Chris Archer, he's probably better left on your bench. Tim Anderson is out four to six weeks with his high ankle sprain, and Spencer Turnbull should be out a few weeks with shoulder fatigue. Scooter Jeanette, Marwin Gonzalez, and Byron Buxton were all activated from the injured list over the weekend. Jordan Alvarez returned from his knee issue on Sunday and drove in three while Trevor Story and Adalberto Mondesi should be back early this week. And Corey Seager and A.J. Pollock should hopefully be back shortly after the All-Star break, as if the Dodgers needed any more help. And Caleb Smith may start this weekend after completing a successful rehab start on Sunday, though the Marlins may wait until after the All-Star break. Hopefully, they'll provide more word today. Now, there are several hitters who missed time this weekend, and owners in weekly leagues really need to monitor their status before setting their lineups. Ozzie Albies was removed from Saturday's game and missed Sunday's game against the Mets after being hit by a pitch on the elbow. Albies sounds like he should play this week, so it's worth the risk. Luke Voigt missed Sunday's game with abdominal tightness. This one is dicier, but he did take batting practice on Sunday, so that is a good sign. Personally, I think if you have any other comparable options to Voigt, I'd lean against starting him. Chris Davis set out the entire weekend against the Angels after he was hit by a pitch on the hand on Thursday. This does not currently sound like an IL situation, so unless we hear otherwise, this sounds like it's worth the risk to start him. D. Gordon was out of the lineup on Sunday after straining his quad on Saturday. No word yet on if this is an IL situation, but Tim Beckham played second base on Sunday. Personally, I cannot imagine that Gordon plays with the all-star break coming up with a darn quad strain, so I would avoid him. Gary Sanchez left yesterday's game with a jam left thumb. Sanchez downplayed this injury but it wouldn't be surprising to see him miss a few games here. Frankly, given the dearth of reliable catcher options, you might as well just stick with him this week. Jay Bruce missed Saturday's and Sunday's game with left elbow tightness, and JT Realmuto was removed from Sunday's game after tweaking his hamstring. Both are reportedly okay and should start this week. Andrew Benintendi left Saturday's game against the Yankees with a quad injury, 
and did not play on Sunday. Benintendi has had some leg issues recently, and he missed a few games with, quote, tired legs, so it makes sense for the Red Sox to take advantage of the All-Star break and give him a rest. But for now, he remains day-to-day. Personally, unless we hear more, I would not risk starting him. Finally, Luis Severino is probably out for the season because he had another setback because he hates MRI machines. That is not a joke. You just went on with the throwing program instead of checking in to make sure he's 100% because he hates getting into the MRI tube. Pro tip, Luis Severino. Close your eyes before they slide you in there and keep them closed the whole way through. You will never notice anything. Anyway, fantasy owners, you can go ahead and drop Severino. It's doubtful that he's going to pitch, at least not significantly, this year. Let's finish up with some closer news from the weekend. The Reds are pretty much just a situation to avoid at this point. After locking down the save this weekend, Michael Lorenzen was brought into the game in the seventh inning on Sunday against the Cubs, and he allowed three runs while recording an out. Rysel Iglesias then came into a 4-3 game in the eighth, pitched a scoreless inning, and then gave up three runs in the ninth inning, but still recorded the save because the Reds had built up their lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. Nobody in that bullpen is worth your time currently, guys. Anthony Swarzak was placed on the injured list with right shoulder inflammation. That should lengthen Luke Jackson's leash just a bit. And Ken Giles reportedly will not, at least as for now, work back-to-back days. That is a minor thing, but it pretty significantly limits his usefulness as a fantasy closer. If you can swap him for another similar reliever, I'd go ahead and make that switch. A couple of final notes. Domingo Herman is scheduled to return from a strained hip flexor and start Wednesday against the Mets. Kyle Gibson had a start pushback and will also go Wednesday against the A's. And Dylan Cease will make his debut for the White Sox on Wednesday when he starts the first game of a doubleheader against Detroit. You'd think that Cease, who is one of the top prospects for the White Sox, would stick in the rotation after the All-Star break, so long as he does not get shelled against Detroit. He's had an uneven season in AAA, with a 4.48 ERA and a 1.57 whip, but his peripherals suggest that he has been better, and he has major strikeout potential. For me, I'm not going crazy like I was for Brendan McKay in terms of expectations. But as with all prospects with pedigree, you add someone like Cease if you can, and you ask questions later. As for what I will be watching for today, it is definitely my best friend Adbert Alzali when he takes on the Pirates. I really want him to force the Cubs' hand at this point, and a strong outing here would go a long way. And that is all for today's episode of Leading Off. Note that there are only six games on the slate today. So even though we'll have a mailback show next week, ask a couple of questions today on Twitter if you'd like them answered. Or don't, and we'll do a real short show. Whatever. I like sleep. Anyway, I'm at DanHarris80. Brendan is at TooMuchTuma, so feel free to reach out to us anytime. Enjoy your Monday, everyone. We'll catch up tomorrow. <laughs>